It's great to see you all here gathered in our worship center, excited for those who are gathered with us in Liberty Hill and also in our gym venue. It's great to be together worshiping the Lord and digging into His Word. Uh, This last week, Lindley and I received in the mail a letter from a ministry that we have been supporting for a number of years. And the letter that we received was was heartbreaking. It was a letter describing how the ministry that we've been supporting, uh, there was discovery by the board of directors that there was a misappropriation of funds. And we've been supporting this little boy, Marito, who's an orphan in another country. And we've been giving money to support him for years and to help pay for education, for his food, for his housing, supporting this orphanage. And uh, when we got this letter and realized that there was discovery of misappropriation of funds, honestly, it just made us angry. It made us sad. Um, Now, now I, I want you to hear me. I believe that our gifts were as unto the Lord, and the Lord has remained faithful to that little boy. And as we pray and ask the Lord to work in that boy's life, the Lord is going to work. I think there are amazing things that have happened. We've had friends of ours go over and be in that orphanage, and they met uh, Marito and a whole bunch of other kids, and amazing things were happening. But still, the fact is, that opportunity has ceased to exist because of misappropriation of funds, and it felt like at some level we'd been deceived. And that just makes me angry. And sad. I tell you that story because there's nobody in this room that likes to be deceived. Nobody. And we discover we're deceived, it makes us upset. And we feel frustrated about that. I'm going to tell you, one of the worst things is to experience the reality that you've been deceived by someone. What's even worse than that? is to realize that you've been deceived by yourself. Self-deception is even worse. In today's passage, we are going to read a foolproof way to avoid self-deception. 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. We're just going to start by reading verse 5 together. And this is the message which we have heard from him and announced to you. God is light. And there is no darkness in him at all. Romans chapter 1 verse 20 tells us that God created all things and as creator he has created all things in such a way that creation teaches us something about the creator. So we can look at creation and we can learn something about the God who created it all. That's the way he's designed things. And here in this passage we are told that God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. What an amazing image that God has given us because everybody in this room understands light and darkness. 
Every single day we experience light and darkness and we get that and we see the creation of light and we can understand a little bit more about who God is because that's the way he's designed his creation so that we might see him and know him. Let's talk about the biggest light that any of us experience in any given day, the sun. You're going to walk outside today after we've been in church and you're going to see the sun and you're going to feel the sun. You're going to experience the sun. And the cool thing about the sun is it's just a medium-sized star among many millions of stars. And when the sun is giving off its light, it is creating more energy, using more energy in one second of its shining than we've created or used as a civilization since civilization began. One second of the sun uses more energy than all the energy we've used since we began using energy. Unbelievable amount of energy. When the sun has a thermonuclear reaction, which it has all the time, When that happens, a second of that thermonuclear reaction exceeds the temperature, escalates the temperature over 10 million degrees. The sun is unbelievable. You're going to go outside, you're going to feel its heat, you're going to experience the benefit of the sun shining on us. But do not mistake the benefit of the sun as to mean the sun is safe. If you were to take just a pinhead, amount of the sun's core and you were able to bring it right here it would kill anybody within 100 miles of that pinhead that's how hot the sun is that fascinating god is light you know c.s lewis wrote this little book called the lion the witch and the wardrobe you may have read that chronicles of narnia In that book, there's a section where Mr. and Mrs. Beaver are asked to talk about Aslan. And Mr. Beaver says that Aslan is a lion. At that moment, the children are kind of surprised. And Susan, one of the kids, actually says, Aslan is a lion? I thought Aslan would be a man. Beaver says, oh no, Aslan's a lion. And so child said, well, does that mean that Aslan is safe? And Mr. Beaver says, oh, no. Aslan is not safe, but he is good. God is light, and there is no darkness in him. If our sun is as amazing as it is, and it's one among millions, what is God like? who is holy and pure in all his ways and dwells in unapproachable light, who holds all the stars in the palm of his hand. The book of Revelation tells us that when God creates the new heavens and the new earth, there will be no need for the sun because God will be the light. There will be no more sun because we will all live in Christ in the light of God. 
Jesus gave us a few glimpses into the fact that he is the light of the world and what that really means. He met James and John and Peter up on a mountain. And in that moment on the mountain, Jesus just peeled back the curtain of his glory just for a moment. And Peter, James, and John saw the glory of Jesus Christ. And they fell down before the Lord and they said his face was shining like the sun. John would later see Jesus again when he wrote the revelation of Jesus and he would fall down terrified before Jesus Christ and again he would say his face was shining like the sun. The apostle Paul was walking along the road to Damascus and a great light shone down on him and he fell down before that light and the voice of Jesus spoke out of that light. God is light. There is no darkness in him at all. 1 Timothy chapter 5 verse 16 says that God dwells in unapproachable light and no one can look at him. He is light. And there is no darkness in him at all. I brought some darkness in here to show you guys. In my box here is darkness. I brought it in today to give you another object lesson of darkness. Okay, so I'm going to open the box and let you see that I brought darkness in. You ready? It was in there before I opened the box, I promise. <laughs> so let me close the box up. It's dark now in that box. You following me? But the moment I open the box, the darkness is gone. Why? Because the light fills the box. So what is darkness? The absence of light. The moment that we put light in the box, the darkness is dispelled. Now what's interesting is if we put light in the box, literally, let's put some light in the box. Got some light, gonna put it in the box. I'm gonna close the box. Light is in the box, what does that tell us? Darkness is not in the box, even though the box is closed because I put light in the box. So I can put light in the box and remove the darkness but I never can put so much darkness in the box as, so as to put out the light. God is light, and there is no darkness in him at all, and there is no one like God. You see the picture? Okay, now that you've seen that God is light, and there cannot be darkness in God at all. There cannot be darkness in his presence at all. He is holy in all his ways. He is light and there is no darkness in him at all. Now that we get that, let's read verse 6. If we say, if we claim that we have fellowship with him and we live, we walk about 
in darkness, we are lying and we do not do the truth. If we are in the light, if we are walking in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, his son, is cleansing us from all our sin. God is light. and There is no darkness in him at all. If you claim to have fellowship with him, but you live in the darkness, you're not telling the truth. You're lying. You're not being honest. What what does this mean? If you claim to be a Christian, do you know what you're claiming? You are claiming to have fellowship with God. Because being a Christian means that you have decided to follow Jesus Christ and you are in a relationship with him. Being a Christian is not just coming to church. Certainly that's part of it. It's not just being a nicer person than the person maybe that lives down the street from you. That certainly can be an overflow from being a Christian, but being a Christian is being in relationship with God through your faith in Jesus Christ, such that it's described here in the Scripture as fellowship with God. And if you claim to be a Christian, if you claim to have fellowship with God, and you walk in the darkness, in other words, there's an absence of light in your life, you don't put the Word of God in your life, you don't read your Bible, you don't pray, you don't consider how you might align your life with who God is, His purposes, His Word, His intentions for you. You just kind of live your life however you want to live. If you claim to be a Christian, you claim to have fellowship with God, and you leave God out of your life, and you neglect Him day after day after day, then the Scripture is telling you that when you claim to have fellowship with God, you are lying. No, no, nobody likes to be called a liar. God is not trying to offend you. He's trying to rescue you. And if you claim to have fellowship with God, but you're walking in the darkness, you're neglecting God in your life every day, he wants you to know that that's not being honest. And it's not being honest in one of two ways. Either number one, You've claimed to be a Christian, claimed to have fellowship with God, and you've never really decided to follow Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You've never entered into fellowship with him by giving him your life and saying, I want to follow you and what you say and who you are. I want my life to align with. I want to be all in and following you the rest of my life. You just simply never made that decision. Maybe you never understood what it means to be a Christian. Maybe you understood what it means, but you just weren't really ready to make that decision, but you 
you started saying you were a Christian because it felt like the right thing to do. Maybe you were raised thinking that you were a Christian, but you've never really decided to follow Jesus Christ, and you know that you are not in fellowship with God, that you do not know him, and that you are not in the light as he is in the light. Maybe you're being dishonest in another way. Maybe you did make a decision at some point in the past of your life to follow Christ and to, and to align your life with him, to live in the light as he is in the light, and to fill your life up with the things of God through your faith in Jesus Christ. And somewhere along the way, you stopped caring about living in the light as he's in the light. And you started to drift away from the light back into a life of sin and neglect of God. He drifted into the darkness. And today, you're not living in fellowship with God because the light cannot have fellowship with the darkness. And God, in His grace, is telling us whether it's because we've never decided to follow Christ or because we're drifting into darkness. God is telling us, if you claim to know me, and you're walking in darkness, you're, you're lying because God is gracious. You see, he doesn't want anybody to think they're okay if they're not okay. He doesn't want anyone believing that they've made a decision to follow Christ and just because they made the decision, they're walking in darkness and now they're just fine. No, God doesn't want you to go through life thinking that everything's okay. And so what he tells you is, hey, you can't have fellowship with me if you live in the darkness because I don't want you to feel like everything's settled in your heart as if you're living the life you're created to live. No, you cannot have that kind of satisfaction outside of the light because I want you to come into the light as I, am, as, in, as I am in the light. He is so kind and so gracious and he wants us to come into the light because there is no fellowship with him except in the light. Look, look again at verse 7. It says, if we are in the light, we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. Now, we would expect to have read, if we are in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with him. But that's the implication. If we are in the light as he is in the light, we're going to have fellowship with him. But what is highlighted here is that we will have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Christ will cleanse us from all sin. Isn't that amazing? We must walk in the light. It's the only way to have fellowship with him. And it's the only way that we experience the church that he intends for us to experience. If the church is not yet all that you thought it would be, it's not yet the experience that you wanted it to be, I want to tell you, walking in the light for all of us is the way we are, in meant, we are meant to experience the church that God wants us to experience, where we experience together this sense of being cleansed from all our sin, and it leads to this deep fellowship with one another out of a fellowship with God that changes who we are. We got to be in the light. You know, some of the sun's rays are not safe. When the sun is shining, 
Some of the rays that it shines down on us are not safe. And God, in his good design, created an atmosphere surrounding our earth so that the dangerous rays of the sun are filtered out so that the rays that we experience when we walk out these doors are beneficial for us. Isn't that good of God? God is light. And when he shines on my life and your life, his good light exposes our sin. And the rays of his wrath should justly fall on the sins of my darkness. But God and his patience has created an atmosphere that keeps the rays of his wrath from striking our lives so that the rays of his mercy might reach our hearts. So, so how do I experience the rays of this mercy because God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. There's a story in Luke chapter 5 where Peter and James and John, they've got these fishing boats and they're hanging out with Jesus and Jesus is teaching people from one of Peter, James and John's boat. And he's around the edge of the bank of the sea, and he's sitting in that boat teaching. And after he finishes teaching, he says to Peter, James, and John, hey, guys, let's go out in the deep water and let's do some fishing. And I can just imagine what this might have been like. Peter looks at James and John and he's like, he's, he's not a fisherman. Jesus, we've been out all night, and we didn't catch a thing. The conditions are not right. This is the wrong time of day. We've already been out there. This is not a good time. But since you want to go fishing, we'll take you fishing. And you'll just see that you don't know anything about fishing. So let's go. And they go out into the deep water. And Jesus says, this is a good spot. Let's let down the nets. And so they let down the nets. And the next thing they know, their nets are so full. And they begin to pull those fish in those nets into the boat. And the boats get so full of fish that the boats begin to sink. And in that moment, Peter realizes he's seeing a lot more than just a bunch of fish. And this is what he says, Lord, go away from me. I am a sinful man. He saw the light of God. And in the light of God, he saw his sin. And he wanted to run and hide. You know what Jesus said? Jesus said, don't be afraid, Peter. Because from now on, I'm going to teach you how to catch men. Do you see it? How do we find the light of God's mercy? Let's read verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess 
our sin, if we agree with God about our sin, if we confess our sin, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have never sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. It's pretty clear what we have to do to walk in the light. First thing is you don't say that you have no sin. You see that? Have you you ever thought about what it might mean when the Scripture says, don't say that you have no sin. Don't act like, don't pretend like you have no sin. If you say you have no sin, you're in trouble. Have you ever found yourself angry at somebody? Have you ever found yourself being mean to somebody? And you thought these kinds of thoughts, they deserve it. I have a reason to be angry. I have a reason to be mean because of what they've done to me. You ever, you ever found yourself thinking anything like that? Anytime that we begin to blame somebody else for our sins, as if the real fault is with what they did and not what we did, dangerously close to saying we have no sin. Have you ever found yourself really uh, thankful for the forgiveness of God in your life, being forgiven of all your sin as a follower of Christ, and then maybe having less concern about sins that you're still committing? Because you're forgiven. Anytime that you begin to live like the forgiveness of God does not um, matter in terms of how you continue to sin because you're forgiven, that's dangerously close to claiming you have no sin. Have you ever found yourself looking at someone and thinking to yourself, man, I am so glad I'm not as bad as that guy. That guy is seriously got problems. And when I compare myself to that guy, I feel pretty good about me. You ever done anything like that? We've all done stuff like that. And, and here's the thing that's dangerously close to saying you have no sin. Have you ever found yourself, I'm really going to step on some toes here, but mine are already crushed, all right? So I'm with you here. Have you ever found yourself acting like you have it all together when you know you really don't? You know, sometimes we can really be bad about that in the church. And people could come in this place and see us all sitting here doing our thing. And people can come in here and they can be completely broken and looking for the hope of Christ. And they can look around and watch us do our thing. And sometimes people can actually conclude, I don't know that I belong here. Because everybody here seems to have it all together. And I know I don't. Whenever a church becomes a place where sinners 
don't feel like they belong, we are dangerously close to claiming we have no sin. I've got bad news and I've got good news. I'm going to give you the bad news first because it's just proven, it's a fact that if we get the bad news first and then we get the good news, we're going to feel better about everything no matter how bad the bad news is. So just, just know, if anybody ever comes to you from now on and say, do you want bad news or good news? Say, I want the bad news because it's just a proven fact. You get the bad news first, good news last. Doesn't matter how bad the news is, you're going to feel better about things. All right, so here's the bad news. Unconfessed sin will ruin your life. Think about the progression in this passage. If we say we have fellowship with him, but we walk in the darkness, we lie and we do not do the truth. There's the first step. That's not good. We're lying before God. We're not honest about what we're really doing. And if we're not honest about what we're doing, we're lying and we're not doing the truth. That's not good. Then the next step is, if you say you have no sin, well, that's really bad because at that point you're deceiving yourselves. And this truth is not in you. See the progression? The first step is to say, I'm, I'm a Christian, but not caring about how you're living. That's a lie. To say you're in fellowship with Christ, but you're walking in the darkness. No, God doesn't want you to do that. He wants you to come back to the light so that you do have fellowship with him. You're lying, you're not doing the truth. But if you say you don't have sin in your life, if you take one step further and say, I don't have to pay attention to, the God, to God, I can just neglect Him and live whatever way I want, well then the scripture says you're deceiving yourself. If you're deceived by your own self, what remedy do you have? The truth is not even in you. And if you say that you've never sinned, here's what the deception of sin does. The deception of sin takes you to a place where your darkness actually is seen by you as light and you begin to call the way that you're living is acceptable and you begin to act like you no longer need God or his forgiveness and because it's a God of love he'll save you just because he's a God of love it doesn't matter how bad you really are you actually call your darkness light and at that point you've decided that God is a liar and you're not paying attention to the fact that he says you need him and instead you're living your life like you don't need him at all and that's where he hit rock bottom and his word is not in you. Do you see that? That's bad news. But here's the good news. It's verse 9. Let's read it again. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How amazing is that? God is light. There is no darkness in him at all. But if you want to take the very first step into the light, get this, God is light. No darkness in him at all. We've all been in the darkness by way of our own sin. And God says to us, who is light in whom no darkness can be, if you want to take your very first step into the light of my love, here's what it is. Agreeing with me about your sin. How amazing is that, that God is light, in him there's no darkness, and all I have to do is say, God, here's my darkness. 
and he will bring me into the light of his love. There is no darkness in him. How can I enter his light? Simply by confessing my sin because God is just and faithful. He is just and faithful to forgive us and cleanse us from all our sin when we confess our sin because God is just and faithful to crush Jesus Christ for our sin. Do you catch that? God would not be just or faithful if he forgave any one of us and did not require the payment for that sin against his holiness. He is light in him. There is no darkness. And so God determined he would take all of our sin. He would pour it out on Jesus Christ. He would make Jesus our sin and he would crush him on the cross for our sin so that if we trusted in Jesus Christ, God could then justly and faithfully forgive us and cleanse us of all our sins sin. The first step into his light is always confession of our sin. Isn't that amazing? I don't know if any of you have ever lived in West Texas, but if you live in West Texas, I'm going to tell you right now, in about 24 hours, you will discover red dirt. And the red dirt in West Texas is evil because any clothes that you have that are white will forever be red. And you never learn that more than when your kids start playing Little League Baseball. And they've got to have on the Little League Baseball pants that are oftentimes white. Now, I will remember when we first had our kids start playing Little League Baseball in West Texas, Lindley would struggle with having to get those pants clean. Because after every practice and every game, you'd have to clean those white pants. And Lindley literally could find nothing that could clean those pants. They were stained. Stains could not be removed. That red dirt is absolutely impossible to remove. And so she struggled, and she was frustrated, and she was embarrassed that her kids were out there with stained baseball pants. I was humiliated that my wife could not clean those pants. It was, a dis- it was a disturbing reality for us in West Texas. And, uh, and then one day, Lindley had a friend that came up to her who was a fellow baseball mom. And Lindley started to share some of the woes of her inability to clean the stains on the pants of the baseball. And she said, hey, have you heard of Fells Naphtha? It's a laundry bar and stain remover. Lindley says, I've never heard of that. That's amazing. And so she produced for Lindley a bar of Fells Naphtha. And Lindley rushed home immediately, took the bar of soap, rubbed it on those pants as hard as she could, threw those pants in the washing machine and washed those pants. And guess what? Those pants came out as if they'd never been stained before. Miracle. (laughs) Fells Naphtha. Available at your local Walmart. We can spend all our lives trying to clean up the stains of our sin. But praise God, he's made it as simple as confession. You want to walk in the light? The first step is confession. Over the last year, I've been able to get to know some men in our church who have come to me and have shared with me what God's doing in their lives. It's been remarkable. Some of what they've shared involved confession 
Like they shared with me, here's what I'm confessing to the Lord right now that he's working on in my life. And I've watched those men confess to the Lord and confess to other men in our church family what God was doing in their lives and the sin that God was bringing to the forefront of their lives. And over the last year, I have seen in those men a deep fellowship in Christ occur between those men and the Lord, between those men and the men they're confessing to on a weekly basis, and between those men together and the Lord. And here's what's happened. They have experienced a cleansing of their sin to a degree that has radically changed their lives. So that today, if you ask them, do you claim to have fellowship with Jesus Christ? They would say, I have fellowship with Jesus Christ. They would mean something they've never meant before. When I walk in the light, it begins with confession. If you're going to be a person who confesses your sin, you know what you got to do? You got to practice it every day. Like you need to be deliberate. You need to make a plan. You need to every day say, Lord, I want to confess my sin. Set a time. Get before the Lord. Let his word examine your heart. Let his spirit move you to see the things that he's ready to reveal to you. Let his light shine on your life. In the light of his mercy, expose your sin and the patience of his waiting. Allow him to work that out in you through confession so that you experience a cleansing of all unrighteousness. you got to plan to practice con- confession. And when you practice confession every day, do not practice it like this. Do not say, Lord, please forgive me of all my sins. And then go about your day. Don't do that. Don't miss the wonderful experience of God's tender care over your life to reveal the very specific sins that are breaching the fellowship He wants you to experience with Him on this day. Ask Him, what is it, Lord, that you want to work on in my life so that my fellowship with you is like you want it to be? And then be very specific about that sin Tell the Lord, confident that you would not see it unless the Lord was ready to cleanse you from that unrighteousness and restore to you fellowship through confession. Be specific about your sin. And then tell somebody else in the body of Christ what God is doing in your life. Confess your sin to someone else. You may think, wait a minute, I'm just supposed to confess to the Lord and He forgives. That's right. Your forgiveness comes from the Lord. But there is an aspect of the healing power of God's forgiveness that comes through confessing to some other people in the body of Christ. We see it in James chapter 5.16. You can't explain that away. He says, if you confess your sins one to another, you will be healed. You cannot explain that away. There's something about confession in the body of Christ that brings a healing and forgiveness. But it's right here in 1 John 2. It's right here in the passage we read about today. If you are in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with each other and we're experiencing the cleansing of his sin. Do you want to know how to deepen fellowship in the body of Christ so much so that the church actually is the church God wants it to be? It's through being confessional, telling people what God's doing in our life and how we need to walk together with other believers in deepening fellowship and out of the cleansing of our sin. 
I want to be the kind of church where broken people find healing, where sinful people find forgiveness, where people in despair find hope. But we won't walk in the light until we are all taking the first step into the light, which is always confession. Are you ready to walk in the light?